0: If you would bow with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for wisdom and clarity and the conviction to respond properly. Uh, We we pray that we'd walk in the power that you provide by your spirit to do as you would have us do. In Christ's name, amen. So we are studying the book of Amos. If you are new, we start in chapter 1, verse 1 and move all the way through the book. We follow the structure, the flow of the book. Uh, God revealed himself in a structured way, and so we try to follow that same pattern. And uh, we do that in most, mostly like in the fall and the spring. In the summer, we've been doing the Psalms. Again, though, we're doing chapters, and each one is kind of its own distinct thing. But what you will see is as we work through the Scripture, we are trying to see exactly uh, what the, the author, under the inspiration of the Spirit, is trying to communicate Uh, to us. And so this book, uh, one guy said, hey, the big idea in it is, does God care? So that's the big kind of question you might ask. Does God care? And uh, some of you at different seasons of your life have asked that question, and you will ask it again. And that's just something that we are going uh, to struggle with and try to understand. Now, in this book, the issue of does God care is addressing the issue of like how Israel is treating the poor and how Israel is treating the righteous. So they want to silence the righteous who are speaking like wisdom and they want to oppress the poor so they can like enrich themselves. and Or they are doing those things. That's what you could say. And so then the question becomes, does God care about it? He started the book with does God care about how the nations treat the nations and everybody's saying yeah I mean he he does like God sees all that stuff and then he moves forward and says okay does God care about how his people treat one another and we say absolutely God does care and God is going to address those things and so We as a church would say, and and well, I'll say one other thing. Israel, of all the people of the earth, understood that God cared about that because he rescued them out of Egypt. And so then, when we're looking at this, we would say they should know that God cares and they should care for one another. And in the same way, the church, you could say, has been blessed with so many spiritual blessings, has been rescued from their sin. Does God care how they treat one another in light of the rescue God has provided them? And we would say yes. Now, today the issue, think about it with me, just thinking in terms of privilege. uh, And some of you might say, oh, I, I didn't grow up with any privileges. Well, let's think about it just for a moment and just think about my life. You ready? Did I have the privilege of growing up in a country where I was free? Answer, Yes. Uh, I met with a guy uh, this week uh, at a restaurant and just happened to kind of connect with him from Syria. as a child his uh, one of his family members was high up in the government and then that all went away and guess what He had to his family had to flee the country that he grew up in. I was reading an article this morning about... Uh, the A&M quarterback Texas A&M quarterback and how his family was from Cuba and uh, how they uh, is that right did I get that right anybody know I think that's right yeah and so uh, and I was thinking like uh, that that's one of those examples where you say that family like when all the trouble hit they were able to come out of the place that they were and rescued did I grow up that way no I grew up in America. I did, not, I did not choose that. It was given to me. Did I have the privilege of getting an education? Yes. All the way through, from a little kid all the way up, into adulthood and then later after I'd started my career. That was a gift. Did I have the privilege of having a roof over my head and food in my stomach? Yes. Yes, those were blessings I had, just natural blessings. Did I have the privilege of having parents who loved and cared for me as a child? Yes. Were those privileges? Yes. I mean, they, they just are. Did I have the privilege of taking, uh, of someone, my parents, taking me to church so I could learn about the Lord? Every week, without fail. Like, without fail, they were there. Did I have the privilege of having an example of someone who served God and did not think about how a church was to serve them? They just gave their lives away. Yes. Do I have the privilege of coming to saving faith and experiencing all the riches of Christ? Yes. So if I have all those privileges, and I could list 50 more, if I have all those privileges, should I embrace the responsibility that comes with the privilege? Answer? Yes. Every time I look at my life and say, I've had all of these privileges. Now, some of you look at your life and say, "I didn't have many privileges. I earned everything that I've gotten. I made it. I did it. I, I, I." And I was like, "I'm, I'm going to be a, at the at judgment day. I would like to see your face." That person that's like, "I, ah, I did it all." You know, it's like, "What are you talking about?" But if I have all those privileges, then I have responsibilities that come with those privileges. They meet those privileges and it's not here's the thing the greater my understanding of the privilege the more humble I am and the greater gratitude in my heart and then the longing to do something with it that's just that's just the reality you may say I didn't have all the privileges you had in this room or that but but you're here today that's a privilege it comes with a responsibility and so with hearts filled with gratitude, we should walk in the responsibility that God has given us in our families, in our church, in our lives, in our vocations. All those things with all the privileges. I mean, you know, one of the things I read this week was like uh, the loss of responsibility. Like in life, the loss of responsibility is a sign. That when that's taken away you someone's taking away the privilege that you've been given you know that's what going to, to jail would be it's a loss of that and so what we want to understand I think today is just say to ourselves privileges come with responsibility and I should with a heart of gratitude should welcome that Romans 12 says this I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. What's he saying? In light of everything you've been given, in light of all the gifts, in light of all the blessing, in light of all the things that you could look past or look back and say, all of these blessings are mine. Now, both present and future, they are not just blessings today. You're looking forward to the future of of the blessings that we have in Christ In light of those blessings, what's the responsibility? What should I do in light of that? With gratitude in my heart, what should I do? I should offer my life back to God. That is what we should do. Now, so let's go. You ready? The privilege of responsibility is what uh, Betts calls this chapter. So let's talk about this real quick. God has blessed his people with some privileges. Let's look at them real quick. Verse 1 and 2, hear this word that the Lord has spoken. I just want to say here, when he says, hear this word, there's something about that that says to us, that's a privilege. Why? Because if God had not spoken, then what would you know about God? You would only know about God what you saw in creation or dreamed up in your mind. So God has spoken. And he has spoken... In a way where they can understand. That is mercy. Psalm 78.5 says. He established a testimony in Jacob. Appointed a law in Israel. Which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. Uh, in Romans 3. It says. In, in the, the, the Jewish people. Had the oracles of God. It was a great benefit to them. If we were to look at the church. We would say Hebrews 1. says that in the past. He spoke through the prophets. And in this present time. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So what do we say? This is a privilege. This is a blessing. Israel had this blessing. Next, you keep going. And I think it's just important. Not only did he speak to them, he established them as his people, as a nation. Now, again... When we think of Israel, we don't jump to America. We we kind of we go to the church and we know it's distinct. But what we would say here is God has established us as a people. The Bible says, once you were not God's people, now you are God's people. That's a privilege. He also delivered them from bondage. You see here, this he called them as his family and brought them out of the land of Egypt. He brought them out of bondage. That's a privilege. That's a blessing. They were enslaved. They were crying out. They spent 400 years in bondage and they're crying out, God, deliver us. And He delivered them. That is a privilege. Now, here's what happened with Israel, and this is what might happen with you. What happened with them is since God did that, they thought that they could get away with anything. That, that's, that's, that, that happened often with them. They thought, I have so many privileges. I can get away with anything. God loves me so much, I can get away with anything. It's like having this parent that maybe, maybe uh, has blessed a child and rescued them in some way, and the child is lavish with all these blessings and experienced those, and then the child looks at all that stuff and says, like, uh, I can do whatever I want. Look how much uh, uh, they've given me and how much they've blessed me. I can do whatever I want. Well, if that happens, a a good parent doesn't sit there and say, oh, look at them, thinking they can do whatever they want. They can. Ha, ha, ha. That's nuts, right? What you would say is, let me explain something to you. With the great privileges you have comes responsibility. I love you, and I want you to know that. And so that is what would take place. Because out of all the nations of the earth, not because these people were so great that God like uh, put His covenant love on them. Not because they were great, but because He is great. And He chose to show mercy to those people. And in doing so, they don't sit there in this haughty way and say, I deserve this. I'm so privileged because God can look at me and see how wonderful I am. And He looks down upon my life and says, Oh, look at how great He is, this creature Th- this creature that is was born in his trespasses and sins, he's not naturally great. I have to supernaturally bring him to life, restore him. I sent my son to die on the cross for him. That's not that he was naturally great. That is because of God's sheer mercy that he would rescue such a little wretch. So that's why he needs to be say, uh, singing, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. If you can't sing that song... You don't understand the cross and your need for salvation and your need for mercy and grace. But somebody that does, they say, hey, I've experienced privileges that I don't deserve. And with that comes responsibility. That's the second part of this. Here's the deal. They shirk their responsibilities for all their privileges. They, this is what some people do. The more privileged they are, the more they believe that they deserved it. But what he says is the more privileged you are, the greater the responsibility, and therefore the greater the accountability. If I have entrusted something to you and you have great responsibility, I keep entrusting more and more to you, the more more privileges you have, the greater the responsibility and the greater the accountability. That's just there. Now, so what, what, what does that result in? Look, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. It's almost like Israel was a trust fund baby. Don't you know? And they had been given these, this kind of this trust fund, kind of a silver spoon, and instead of taking those privileges and using them for good, they squandered them. That's Israel. And so, um, spoiled little Israel is not being uh, watched over by a father who does not really care. By a father that kind of like dotes on his spoiled little brat. That's not what happens. Or them, when, when the spoiled little brats say, I don't want to, any responsibility. But keep giving me all the privilege. That's just not how it worked there. So, what happened? God said, I will punish you. There's accountability for them. God's reputation, His perfect character is on the line. And since He is just, He must punish their evil. Jesus said, everyone to whom much was given... Of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. God's people, listen, this is something important to know, because I think there's this kind of like, I can go with or without the church kind of today, and the church is like, I don't know, for a lot of people, they think the church is like, what is it going to do for me? And we say to you, no, it is a privilege to be able to be here. It is a privilege to be able to hear God's Word. It is a privilege to be able to sing God's praises. It is a privilege to have people that can model for you a life of faith. That is a privilege. And that comes with responsibility. You should live in light of that. Great privilege produces a heart rightly understood of gratitude that says like, how can I offer back everything that I am, everything that I have? My time, my resources, my talents, how am I going to use those? The greater understanding of What God has done for you, the greater your desire to offer back life to him. If you're withholding your resources, you're withholding your time, you're withholding uh, the, the, the talents that you have, you're holding those back and saying, I'm going to use those for myself. I have goals for myself. I want to accomplish this for myself. You say, hold on just a second. Stop again. What privileges do you have now? What responsibility follows that privilege a loving God just like a loving father now a father that loves himself only thinks about himself but a loving God will discipline his children for their disobedience just as He will bless them for their, their, for their obedience. God disciplines His children because they need to know. They need to know the right way. The enormity of your privileges in Christ are matched by the severity of God's like discipline. He will chastise you because He wants you to grow in faithfulness. Now again, for some of you, you say, that's not the Jesus people talk about. It's not the God people talk about. But that's the reality. We need to hear that because God loves us because God wants the best for us. Now, here's the thing. When we talk about earthly children, I and mean, we might look at that a little different because we're saying, hey, at some point you tried to raise them up and they're just not there. I mean, what do you do? What you do is I think you have to say, again, just think clearly and say, okay, what, what do we do? How do we respond? I think we say, well, I mean, I certainly wouldn't give them all the responsibility in the world because they have not shown themselves faithful stewards. And that might be something to kind of throw in there. But I want you to see this principle of cause and effect. Look at verses 3 to 6. All this is, is like, look at all those questions. You know what the answer to every one of those questions is? No. The answer is no. People only walk together when they agree to walk together. Right? And so you just kind of have to get that in your mind. It's a principle woven into creation. Newton's third law of motion affirms this observation, stating for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. So some of Israel, like when you're thinking about, I'm not going to go through each one of these, but I just want you to see, Every one of those is a no. Just, we'll look at one. Uh, Does a bird fall in a snare on the the earth when there is no trap for it? Answer, no. So, you think about this just for a moment. Israel might be thinking that they're going to escape trouble. They might even have thought of David in his day. Listen to the words of the psalm. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. That sounds like a lion. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. They might be thinking, oh, well, that's what's going to happen to us. But what he is saying is, no, you have like turned away from me. You, You have not followed me. I have given you all of the privilege of being a part of this family the family of God and you're rejected that and so what will come notice what he says does disaster the end of verse six does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it that, that I think that's something we have to remind ourselves today you'll hear people say well God doesn't is not involved in this and God's not involved in that and God's not doing this and that it's like God is involved in everything. God is the king of the universe. God reigns supreme over the world. There is nothing outside of God's control. God owns this world. He made it. He sustains it. He judges it. And He will redeem it. He is God. I mean, is that underst- do you understand? He is God. And so, when you're looking at this text... It's just important to know that God is God. There is a principle in the world that there is cause and effect, and those things do come to pass. That's the argument of the prophet. Now, keep moving. This is what's amazing. God warns his people. That's what you see here. In his mercy, he warns his children. Look at verse seven and eight. For the Lord God does nothing without revealing a secret uh, to the servants. The prophets, the lioness roared, who will not fear? The Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? What's he saying? God has pronounced judgment on his people. But, but just think about that for a moment. But he doesn't do so without warning his people before judgment hits. He uses the prophets to do it. Now how is Israel going to respond to Amos? They're going to say, go back home. We don't want you to talk to us anymore. Well, I don't want to hear you anymore. That's what he's going to say. But notice what happens. He is going to use those people in his kindness. He is going to send the prophets. Do they always have nice words? No, they're harsh. Have y'all ever had somebody, like you said, well, there's a lot of tough love there with that person? What, What are they saying? I mean, some of you don't have any friends that are honest, really. Like, you've, like, kind of raised yourself up above, like, in a way. Or you don't want to hear from anybody. Like, you might say, oh, I really need somebody to teach me this or that, blah, 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 It's like, no. Well, you would surprise me with your life. You know? You, you, would, you would surprise me that you really want that. Because you're not seeming to listen to those things. You're not asked. you know. There are some people that you kind of could get around and you're like, no, they are a sponge. They are taking all this in. They are observing what's going on. They are trying to learn and grow and become and listen. Their, their ears are become more attuned to things. They're able to see things more clearly. They're looking for someone that not, not will say, oh, yeah, I see your life really stinks. They're not looking for that. They're looking for someone that not only says, yeah, that stinks, and you live in a fallen world, but why don't you pursue obedience in the midst of the stink? Right? That, that's kind of, you know. But there's some people that like have everything figured out. They don't really need anything from anybody. And the problem is the Word of God, again, could come to them. They could sit in here today and hear this and still stand there almost as if you had never said anything at all. That's scary. In his mercy, God warns his children. Now, a couple more things. Look at verse 9 and 10. So let's think back. Israel's privileged. With privilege comes responsibility. If you reject it, there's a cause and effect deal. I reject it, you get punished. God speaks to his people and says, Hey, wake up, guys, like it's coming. God is going to spank you. He doesn't joke around about that. God is legit. He's not saying stuff like, hey, I'm gonna, you're going to get it if you don't stop. <laughs> you're going to get it if you don't stop. He's not a silly, foolish parent. That's not God. God is God. He is the father of His children, and He will punish them for their disobedience every time he might be patient but he will ultimately punish them now verse 9 and 10 those who get punishment deserve it you see that proclaim the strongholds in Ashdod and the strongholds in the land of Egypt now here's this is cool you can go back and look at it later He takes the Philistines, who are like enemies, all the way through with Israel. He says, hey guys, come sit up on this mountain with me. I want you to look down into the valley of Israel. I want you to see them. Then he says, hey Egypt, y'all come here real quick as witnesses. Y'all sit here and look down from this high place and tell me what's going on in there. And you're like, what? Why would God call the most wicked people because they know what it's like they understand each other it's like uh, someone would say to you when you think about it, it takes one to know one so they've said listen we were wicked God judged us so it's like he's calling them up and says hey look down there you tell me as a witness sitting on the stand are these people wicked and they're like wicked And he says, do they deserve judgment like you did? They deserve judgment. That's kind of what he says. So you get it, you deserved it. God is not someone that lacks integrity. God is not looking at his children and saying, they're not that bad. Y'all are all bad. They're they're doing everything right. Y'all are all doing things wrong. That's not God. God says, Y'all are bad, and y'all are bad. They're not fake. God doesn't fake it. God sees it as it is and calls it like it is. The nations are privileged with a place to live. These people are privileged not just with a place to live, but with all the blessings of hearing words from my mouth. These people deserve judgment. How much more do these people deserve judgment? He doesn't lie about the situation, he is totally honest. Last thing. Those who experience God's judgment will lose their sources of security. Think about this. Just look at verse 11 and 12. Their military might. They may say, we are the strongest people on the planet. We are stronger than we've ever been before. We're going to be stronger in the future than you've ever seen. Again, this is Israel as a nation. The church can get that kind of mentality, not with swords, but maybe say stuff like, we've got this power, we're going to fight against the the, the culture, we're going to go to war against them. We'll beat them, you know, or whatever, you know. You're like, what are you talking about? I mean, I, but, but here's the thing he's saying I'm going to take away all your senses of security in your strength so when people get in a place of power they're always kind of like wanting to, to, to flex their muscles verse 13 and 14 I'm going to address your false religion and so they had these places these altars it was beautiful he'll talk about it in Amos how amazing it was and then he'll say, you know what, I, you go ahead and keep doing that. I hate what you're doing. I don't care how beautiful it is. It's not real. I hate it, and I cannot stand it, and you will be punished. And some people might say, yeah, but remember, we have those little altars where you can grab the horns, and if you've done something bad, you grab those, and you'll get away with it. Won't that be awesome? And what he says is, is, no, you won't. I'll cut the horns off that altar. There will be no place to stand. Now, the last thing, and I think it's just important to see. They had these amazing residences, like that they places that they lived, but they had their house, their winter house, and their summer house. So some of them would have three, and they got it. Again, you, you find out how they got it, but Ultimately, you had these luxurious places, and so they trusted in their military might, their religion, and they trusted in their wealth. Those three things. And guess what he says? I'm going to take all of it from you. You have these houses of ivory, all these places. It reminds you, of it's a symbol of their wealth. But also, I was thinking about, you know, when the German forces hit London, they started hitting, and they sent the kids out into the countryside right, to keep them protected. No place is going to be a place of protection. People will say stuff like, well, we've got to go to our place where it's like, we just get away from the world and blah, blah, blah. Nobody's going to escape. Now, what's the whole point of this whole thing? And we'll be done. With privilege comes responsibility. That, that's If you're in a place of power, if you have great wealth, if you are in a religious world, in the religious realm, with those privileges, with all the privileges and blessings that you have, there's responsibility that comes with it. So for us, we might stop and say, God did judge Israel, but is that not a lesson for us? Like, how do we look at that? What do we say about that? Are we sitting there in our pride saying like, well, that was Israel. They were really bad folks and they deserved it. And I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm ne- I don't trust in our power. I don't trust in my wealth. I don't, tr- I don't trust in my religious practices. I don't trust in any of that stuff. I trust in the Lord. I follow in Him in obedience. Or are you saying like, hold on just a second. This is a little bit of a check or a lot of a check. And so I think this passage could speak to the oppressed and to the oppressor. Some of you may say, no, I've been at the hands of like really wicked people. They've hurt me multiple times over. God's going to address them. And some of you might say, you know what? I've been the oppressor of others. Not blessing others. I've taken my privileges and used them against others. I'm not out of a heart of joy, giving, giving, serving, doing, I'm not doing any of those things because I somehow think that I deserve it or the reason I have it was because of me it has nothing to do with God wherever you are this morning man it's time to come back to the Lord in repentance and faith put your hope in Jesus who laid his life down to save sinners like you and me both religious people and irreligious people let's pray. Father we thank you for your word we ask for wisdom to respect it to obey it, to trust in you. In Christ's name, amen. If you would stand.